we think about the ups and downs of life, we know that in this fallen world, uh, circumstances are not always good. And yet, Jesus was bold to speak these words from John 10.10. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Did you know that Jesus wants a full life for you? Did, did you know that? This is his, his desire. This is his will for you, that you would have abundance in your life. We've misunderstood that in so many ways. We hear abundance and we think the accumulation of stuff, and that's not what life is about. That's not where you and your blessings come from. It comes ultimately from the Lord and His, His presence in your life and His reshaping the way you view life and the way you think. And He has a desire for you to be full, to be full. And so we're engaging a new message series starting up today. It's just three parts, uh, and I'm calling it The Full Life. Uh, we're going to be speaking from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, over these three weeks. Uh, today, we're going to be dealing with verse 16. Uh, if you could stand for the reading of God's Word, uh, let's do that. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. God, we thank you for your word, which is truth. It is transforming. It is spirit-empowered, and it's by your spirit, Lord, that we are transformed and made into the likeness of Jesus. And I pray today, God, as we speak on this first verse, verse 16, to be joyful always. Oh God, that we would gain a spiritual perspective that would transform us, that would catapult us into this full life that you desire for us, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you meet us right at our point of need. Lord, I know that there are some who are heavy laden this morning. There's some of us who are full. Lord, meet us right where we are. Make us like your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. I, I want to speak this morning on joyful. And I would say to each one of us, as we consider the Christian life and, and what God desires for you, think, think on those words again. Be joyful sometimes. Be joyful when circumstances are right. That's what it says, right? No, it doesn't say that. It says, be joyful always. You, you know, there, there are statements made in Scripture that from the, the natural perspectives just seem crazy. Without spiritual discernment, we can't understand these words. I mean, think, think, think of, uh, of uh, the words of James as he opens his letters where he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Without spiritual discernment, that does not make sense. So, so I, I want to put it to, the, to you this morning. As we, we think about the Christian life, you, you know, one of the things I love about God's Word is that, that even when we look at a passage as we're looking at today, it, it's, it's, not, it, it, it's not exhaustive. It doesn't deal with every aspect of the Christian life, but it is complete. 
It's everything that we need. It's complete. If, if I was to only understand these three verses, there would be enough for me to have abundance in my life. There is more that the scriptures say, but, but let, let's, let's, let's break this down a little bit. It says, be joyful sometimes. No, I mean, sorry. Be joyful always. Pray when you have a need. No, no pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want to put it to us that being joyful, being prayerful, and being thankful is key to a full life. Uh, it's, it's quite convenient that these all in the English language end with the full. <laughs> uh, but what we will see again, that a joyful life leads to a life that wants to desire God more which will cause us to pray more. And praying more will make us more thankful. And that attitude of gratitude, being thankful, will lead to greater joy, and it will continue to build. So, so we, we need to pursue what he's saying right here. Be joyful always. Uh, you, you look to the letter of the Philippians. You know, some time ago we went through the entire book of Philippians. If you missed that message series, everything is online. Go back and check it out. Uh, Philippians happens to be my favorite book of the Bible. But in chapter 4, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. He's repeating what he said so many times, what Scripture tells us so many times. Rejoice in the Lord always. And if you didn't hear what he just said, he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. So, our circumstances always what we'd call joyful circumstances? By no means. You, you, know, you know, Mike and Heather, uh, Heather just lost her dad. You know, I, I know she, she knows where he is, and she, there's that hope of glory, but they're, as Mike said, going into the holidays for the first time without her dad. This is the first time I'm going into the holidays without my mom. And many of us have been in that space, and if you're not there now, those types of circumstances are coming. That's part of this fallen world. We deal with, with grief and loss. It comes. And yet, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. No, 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 let, let me remind you of a couple of things, because we just went through this book not too long ago, right? Do you remember where Paul is where he, when he's writing this? He's in a Roman jail, which is like a dungeon, essentially. It's not like, like jail in the USA, right? Where you got, you got cable TV and, and meals provided for you and air-conditioned units. It's not like that. It's a dungeon, and he doesn't even eat unless people bring food to him. He's in suffering, He's gone through all kinds of abuse of his body. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. And he can write the words, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. You, you know, the, sorry, Adam. He was stoned. It means people picked up stones and threw it at him to hurt him. People tried to kill him. And he still has this joy in his life. 
And so the first thing we need to know as we consider being joyful is that the joy of the Lord does not depend on circumstances. It's not circumstantial. Clearly, unless Paul is, doesn't know what he's talking about. We, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, he says, we are being renewed day by day. And he calls things like stoning and being shipwrecked. And he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so, again, what we're saying here is that if, if we're to understand this life being joyful, filled with joy, it's not dependent on your circumstances. As I look out at you guys right now, I know many of your stories. And I know that you're even presently enduring circumstances that, from a natural perspective, are not joyful. I know that. Um, I've had a joyful week. You know, you guys know my, my granddaughter is with us. We've, she's been with me for the whole week. She is such a source of joy to me. Yeah, and I, didn't, I didn't, didn't get a whole lot of work done this week, guys. But I had such joy with her. But she's leaving today, so I'm already feeling sad. And I know when I put her on that plane, I'm probably going to have a nice little cry. Okay, I'll see her again. And it's, it's hope that keeps us pressing forward. But what I'm saying to you is this. There are circumstances that are good. And there are circumstances that are not, not, not good. But, but God desires a joy for you and me that transcends all of this. It transcends this. And so I, I want to give you a couple of definitions. This is, this is from Merriam-Webster. It says, The emotion evoked... By well-being, success, or good fortune by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And, you know, I'm looking at that, uh, I guess, um, secular de definition, and there's something to that. Because the believer needs to know God is always with us in force. And that sense of well-being that could have a, a, a man who has lost all his children going, it is well with my soul. It, it's that confident assurance that God is with you. It's that, that, that hope of glory. And, and success from a, a Christian perspective is that I am doing the will of God. I am walking in His ways. Good fortune, I don't know what, what Miriam Webster means by that, but just the fortune to know that we are a blessed people. We have received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We lack no good thing is what the Scripture tells us. It's just that sometimes we're chasing after the things of this world, and so we've got to abandon some of those things and get our minds fixed on the things of God. And what we ought to be, above all else, desiring and possessing is just my relationship with Jesus. So, so even from a secular perspective, I think this, this, this definition works. Piper puts it this way, John Piper. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as He, the Holy Spirit, causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world and in the Word. And, and so again, as, as we dig a little deeper into this, this idea of being joyful... And this is God's will for you, to be joyful always. Now, when I say it's His will for you, 
Sometimes, you know, the enemy might whisper in your ear, oh, you're not being joyful. So God's upset with you because you're not doing what he told you to do. He said, be joyful, so smile. And Christians can fake it, let me tell you, <laughs> right? We've been around fake Christians our whole lives. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been blessed to, be, to have been among a community of believers who desire Jesus. That's been my world. But I'm saying to you that when it says it's God's will for you to have joy, it's that any of you have children, when you see your, 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 your children or grandchildren, you desire for them to be joyful, right? And if they're not joyful, you're not going to go, come on, be joyful. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's the idea that you want the very best, and God wants the best for you, and his desire for you is to have joy, to have joy in your life. And so we've got to understand what the scripture, what God means by joy. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. There's an ever-present God who is always near. Sometimes we don't perceive him. We, we could be gathered right here among believers, and we, you're listening to Pastor Brian preach, and, and until I just said this a while ago, you're like, oh, God is here. God is here. He's with you right now at this very moment. He's with us. The Spirit of God is here. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And we're going to be talking about being thankful in just a couple of weeks, right? But what he's saying right here is that when you bring your needs to God, you're in a situation that you don't like. He says, come to God. Start with thanksgiving. Now, he's not saying thank, thank the Lord for the circumstance, because there are circumstances that are, are really sometimes evil. But he is saying, give thanks in every circumstance. So, 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 so we bring a request going, God, I know you're here. I know you're with me. I know you're going to redeem this. You're going to make things right. So I just want to offer up thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And he says, when we do this, the, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do, do you get what he's saying right here? This is not, you know, um, step one, step two, step three, a, a, a formula, so to speak. It, it is really about coming into the presence of the living God. You know, elsewhere in the scripture it says, in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. So we've got to understand what it means to, to step into the presence of God. This is part of the reason, by the way, I am getting away this week. I'm very disciplined about getting time with God every day and reading through the scriptures and memorizing. I'm very good at that. But what I'm recognizing is I just need to just be in the presence of God. I need some extended time in the presence of God. And we all do. One of the things that we learned through the emotionally healthy spirituality is that, that discipline that, that, that comes through just stilling ourselves before Him. Because ultimately what this is all about is knowing God as person, not just His principles. His principles are good. His Word is good. But to know God, 
you know, Maria, my wife, and I were talking about this a little while ago as we were going through one of the devotions. And there's something about, I mean, I could tell you all kinds of statistics about Maria's birthday, anniversary date, you know, her family background. I mean, I know a lot of details that I could give to you and tell you about it, but there's nothing like just being with Maria. And sometimes we just sit together. We're not even necessarily talking, but we're just with each other. There's something about the presence of being with my bride that's very special. And likewise, there's something about just the presence of God in our lives. His principle, His word is good. But God wants you to know Him. His word is a light that points us to His presence. And so the joy of the Lord, it doesn't depend on circumstances, and it is the fruit of a vibrant relationship with God. Which is why, my brothers and sisters, we need to be continually working on developing that relationship with God. Amen, sister? High five. Hallelujah. This is John's mama. And she's got the joy of the Lord all over her. Amen? Amen, my sister. Amen, amen, amen. So, 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 so what I'm saying to you, my brothers and sisters, is, is, is that we've got to continually say, I am working on this thing called my relationship with God. I want it to be vibrant, alive. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He's, the, the metaphor there is, again, a, a, the picture of life. And without Jesus, we don't have life. And so we've got to connect to him. We've got to spend that time with him. And I do believe, I'm convinced, that, that, that out of that does come the fruit of joy. It, it comes out of that. Now look at Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, first and foremost, is love. Right? We've talked about that many times over the past few, year, few, few years and weeks. <laughs> That ultimately, it's love God, love people. Right? I got, I got, that's the first fruit. It's love. But right after that, it's joy. God wants joy for us. And it comes out of fruit. It's, it's me being attached to the vine. I've got to be in this relationship with Jesus. And out of it comes the fruit of the Spirit, which includes joy. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't consider the wickedness, the fallenness of this world, that, that, that if we don't, we, we lose a heart of compassion, right? We, we can't just put ourselves in a bubble where we don't consider those who are hurting, those who, who are disenfranchised. We have to do that. We can't, we can't ignore the, the pain of this world. But I think what Paul is saying is that's not where we are focusing our thinking. Listen to the words again. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Think about such things. He's saying meditate on these things. Why is that important? 
Why do you think Paul is telling us to do this? Again, remember where he's coming from. He's in jail. He could be focusing on, man, these, these people are, 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 I'm falsely imprisoned. They've, they've beaten me. They've lost. He could think about all those things, but he says, no, you think about these things. We think on these things because, you know, our, our emotions tend to follow our thinking. And whether that, those thoughts are conscious or not, there are subconscious thoughts that we are dwelling on that result in an emotional state that follows that. So I, I, I think I've shared this illustration before, but I remember when uh, Lauren, Lauren, if you're watching, hey, hey girl, Lauren's my daughter, uh, <laughs> I remember when she was little, I think she was about seven years old. I was trying to, to help her to understand the principle of thinking on the things of God. And I said to her, okay, Lauren, here, here, here's what I want you not to do. Don't think about the number four. Okay, so when I say four, don't think on four. Uh, I'm going to say four a few times, but whenever you hear me saying four, don't think about four. Okay, I'm going to say four, don't think about four. Now, for most of you guys, no, no, if I was to ask what number you're thinking about, but Lauren, with the wisdom of a seven-year-old, I said, so Lauren, what are you thinking about? She said, seven. <laughs> and that's the key. Your life, your circumstances are bringing all kinds of things that want to pull you down and get you, you know, you know this is why I tell you guys all the time, get off of Fox, get off of MSNBC, get off of those talking heads that just want to make you angry. Because they know, I mean, they've studied this. They know if they can rile you up, you'll keep coming back because you've got a sin nature. And there's something about your sin nature that likes to get angry about things. He said, no, you know something? I, I, I'm going to get off of all that. I, I, I'm going to focus on the kind of things Paul talks about. You know, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. You're not going to get that from the talking heads. He says, think on these things. Think on these things. You see, the joy of the Lord comes through a renewed mind that we're thinking differently from the rest of the world. And God's people are called to think differently. You know, when we talk about conforming to the likeness of Jesus, becoming like Him, there's a work that the Holy Spirit says He's begun in each one of us that He will carry on to completion. And we have got to cooperate with that because we, we can resist that. We, we, we can fill our minds with a worldview that is anything but Christian. Or we can say, you know, I've got to counter this because I'm being bombarded right now. Social media... You know, um, <laughs> streaming services. I'm being bombarded with a worldview that is anything but Christian. And so I've got to step back. I've I, I got to put aside some of these things. We were talking last week in, in our Wednesday morning life group about what is it that we value. You know, we were talking about creating a rule of life. Because the world is telling you what to value. And it does not lead to joy. God's perspective is, I, I want you to have joy, my son, my daughter. Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, 
put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So, so, so what he's saying is, is like, we got to be around people who are seeking God's joy. If I'm, if I'm by myself, one, as soon as I start to isolate, the enemy has a way of just doing a number on us. You know that, right? He loves to get us alone so we can just sort of uh, think these negative thoughts and start to spiral down. And nothing wants to pull us because we just, we, we just get caught up in it. Which is why we've got to be around people who will challenge our thinking and saying, no, we need to be encouraged. You know, we start to, to meditate on the one another's of Scripture, to, to love one another, to encourage one another, to build one another. We, we need people around us. And Paul says, if you've learned these things in me, if you've seen these things in me, put it into practice. And God says, this gift of the body of Christ is one of those ways that we can receive and understand that there's a God of peace that wants to pour out on us. He wants to pour out His Spirit. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you that there is a joy that you have for us. Lord, I know there's so much more that you do have. But I pray today, God, this word will spur us on to seeking joy, to seeking you above all else. Lord, this world wants to pull us down. I pray, God, that we would be wise to seek you above all else to, to ensure that we are developing this vibrant relationship with you, that no matter what this life brings, that we can have joy. Even intermingled with sadness, we can have joy and say, it is well with my soul that you are my God. God, I want to pray a quick prayer now for that person who has not said yes to Jesus yet. If this is you, just say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I know that I need your joy. I recognize I'm a sinner, and I believe by faith, Jesus, that you died for my sins. You proved you were God by being raised from the dead, and today I trust you. I invite you to be my Lord, my God, and my Savior. I turn from sin and I turn to you. I will love you and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.